on this episode of In The Rack Podcast. And now it's just like a daily thing that I have to battle. I have good days. I have bad days. Like last week I came in and everyone kind of like knew something was wrong with me. It's I just had a super low day. And like sometimes I want to talk about it. Sometimes I don't. And that just happened to be a day I didn't really want to talk about it. So what you got? In the Rack Podcast, where we provide you with a practical framework for breaking PRs in all facets of health and wellness. We are just a couple of bros giving you the simple house in a world of complex wants. No filters, no scripts, no rules, just straight talk. Talk to them. Now, let's get into the rack with your hosts, Dr. Chad and Dr. Nick. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of In The Rack Podcast. I am your host, Chad, and with me is my co-host and fellow physical therapist, Nick. Uh, Nick and I have another good episode. Like we said before, and we're going to say it again, every episode is awesome, Um, but we do have another guest on the podcast today. Uh, Joining Nick and I in the rack today is our very own Carissa Shaw, uh, or as we like to call her, (laughs) K-Dog. (laughs) not really sure where that came from it's just uh sounds awesome did anybody ever call you k-dog in high school or anything no this is the first time i think i invented it because i i have the tendency to put dog on things yeah nick definitely or call people dog so no Um, high school people called me k-shizzle oh that's close well that's that's in the same category or my brother's nickname was shazzy so they just called me shazzy's little sister uh, i like shazzy and for those wondering, it's it's K Dog D A W G, yeah, not D O G. Come D-O-G. on, now. It's that's that one's already taken. K Dog, <laughs> all right, with a hyphen in between the yes, two. Yes, K Dog. So in our last episode, we did discuss the fact that we were going to be talking about anxiety today, and we have Carissa on the podcast because she has been battling anxiety for years, and we wanted her to kind of talk about her story as well as how she manages it every day. Um, hopefully some of you listening out there that have anxiety will gain something from this and maybe some of the techniques that Carissa uses will be helpful for you in, in battling your anxiety and able to control it. And, uh, Carissa has to work with Nick and I every day. So, I mean, she battles this shit every and, day. And <laughs> disclaimer, this is not like, this is a serious, serious topic. Totally. And we're going to, we're going to laugh a lot on this episode, but that's just because the three of us work together. We spend many hours together and that's just how we operate. So don't take any of that as us downplaying Correct. The, the severity Absolutely. Of, of this you know, issue in our world today. And the other thing is, is we're going to get into, you know, some, some research, some stuff that's out there. This is by no means medical advice. Um, we're going to ask Carissa some questions that will kind of navigate us through some of that research. And, uh, it's, it's not us trying to say that Carissa is doing something wrong or she's doing something that is, um, you know, necessarily causing her symptoms, but we're just going to kind of feed in the, uh, the, the research into that. Yeah, and you all know Nick, and he's great at research, so you can expect that with pretty much every single podcast episode. So, yeah, so we are excited to have Chris here. Actually, the the story with this all kind of came with um, us testing out mics, and we, we talked about this last time, uh, and we were testing out having our first guest on the show, and we needed to know how it worked when we did three mics at the same time. So we set up three mics at the same time, and we needed somebody to fill that third chair, and Chris was down. So... We put her on the mic, and I was like, "Damn, she's got a podcast voice. We got to get her on here." There's so only, there's only five of us, so there was, yeah. there was three other options to phone the other mic. 
and Carissa <laughs> stepped forward. So. Um, Carissa was probably the only one that was probably going to step forward, though. We know one that for sure will never step yeah. forward. And the other person probably wasn't even here. So, Well, that's there's, probably true. So it was only, really only there Carissa. Was only, there was only four of us. So, <laughs> so well, I just happened to pull the, sh- the shit really, end of the stick. We did that one out, didn't we? Um, no, so... Um, we did we did uh, test out the mics and we found out man we gotta have her on so it only took us 29 episodes but <laughs> but we're here she's on it here I am uh, and for all of you that don't believe us um, I actually saved that clip I don't know if anybody knows that I did that but I did save it and uh, let's give it a listen I mean you sound fine on in my headphones Dude, she's got a podcast voice do I really yeah. yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not everybody, not everybody does. We don't know what Taylor is going to be because she'll never do it. So, all right, you want to just see what, what goes, what happens? All Welcome right. to the life of K Dog. <laughs> <laughs> so now you guys all know what I'm talking about. Chris has got a podcast voice. So I can't speak for Nick, but I can sure enough speak for myself. I I don't suffer from anxiety, but I do suffer from stress. So I can imagine that some of these coping mechanisms are going to be similar. So I know that I'm going to learn a lot from this episode for sure, talking with Carissa uh, and how to deal with my stresses as, uh, you know, not only a PT, but as a business owner as well. So um, Carissa, why don't you start us off? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So I'm like sitting here playing with my hair elastics right now because my palms are like super sweaty. But anyway, um, I joined the ProFam almost three years ago. Um, you know, it's it was like one of those things where my fiance got a job transfer and I was like, oh, crap, I need to find a new job. So I reached out and literally had the easiest interview ever. And here I am. <laughs> and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. But yeah, I mean, like most people have struggled with some sort of anxiety for their entire lives. And I'm sure I have, but it like didn't really make its appearance until, I don't know, like undergrad, maybe my second year of undergrad, um, which the typical like school stressors, whatever. But like as the years went on and like I became more of an adult and I had adult things to worry about, it just got worse and worse and worse. Um, and now it's just like a daily thing that I have to battle. I have good days. I have bad days. Like last week I came in and everyone kind of like knew something was wrong with me. It's, I just had a super low day and like, sometimes I want to talk about it. Sometimes I don't. And that just happened to be a day I didn't really want to talk about it. So I just dealt with it. I went home, had a low key weekend and now it's Monday and here I am and <laughs> it hasn't gone away, but I'm yep. dealing with it. So. I do. I remember that day because I could see it on your face, you know, and I was like, is everything okay? She's like, yeah. just had myself a night. I'm like, okay, yeah. enough said. Fair enough. I'll leave that one alone. Yeah. If you want to talk about it, you can talk about it. If not, Fair that's enough. fine. So, um, now yeah. I, also, I also got a plug in there. You said you had a really easy interview for everyone out there. Our interview process is very rigorous. Okay. It's not always easy. So you may, don't, don't get it twisted. All right. It's very, very rigorous. All right. This was also three years ago. <laughs> and, and, um, in Carissa's defense, she was probably overqualified for the position. So that's yeah. why it was so easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now you have to complete a, uh, the barbarian. You have yeah, to right, do right, a right. carry for a mile. So just, just <laughs> be aware. Um, so Carissa, that first time in undergrad that you experienced, um, anxiety. Was it like a full blown attack or was it progressive um, in nature? No, it was just like, it was li- like almost, I don't want to say OCD related, but it could have been. I was like super worried about my grades and I was, it was to the point where I was checking my email like 30 times a day 
to find out if my grades had come out or something just because I was so worried about if I was going to pass or fail. So I was checking my email constantly and just like worrying about the littlest things and not being able to sleep at night because I was worrying about the next day or even the next week or the next month. And it was just these little things that just kind of added up. And as I continued to worry about that stuff, it's just been like complete overload on my brain to the point where when it comes on, I just can't stop it sometimes. I mean, sometimes I do and we'll talk about how I do that. But um, yeah, in undergrad, it was more just like school stress related, but now it's it's literally everything. <laughs> so there wasn't any one particular incident. I know you're saying no. you're awaiting grades. No, so no it was yeah, just okay. the stress of being a college student. Yeah, absolutely. Because I know a lot of people do struggle with a after like a physical trauma or emotional yeah. trauma, like one incident that it kind of, you know, precipitated that, um, you know, those anxiety type symptoms. I afterwards. mean, I had when when I was in grad school. So this was I want to say like a year before I moved up here. There was an incident which I don't really want to talk about on the podcast. Um, it was it's family related, so I'm not going to talk about it. But that incident blew it up and it's, it continues to blow it up every time I think about it. So, um, yeah, so that was probably the one like actual incident related thing. But we're not going to talk about that. Yeah. So. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Did you did you seek uh, medical help at any point? Yes. Throughout this? Yeah. So I originally went to my PCP when I was still living in Easton, Mass., which is like an hour and a half south of here, um, they basically just brushed it under the rug, you know, put me on some medication, which I was fine with because at that point I was, I had no idea what was going on. I was just doing what the doctors told me to do. So they put me on um, a antidepressant called citalopram or Celexa. So some of you may know what that is because it is a very generalized antidepressant. Um, so they put me on that. I was on 20 milligrams, which is like super low dose. I was taking it every day and I started to notice a difference. I started to feel happier and like maybe it was, you know, what do they call that? The placebo effect. Yeah, Could have yeah, been absolutely. the placebo effect, but I was feeling okay. I was getting through my daily live, uh, live life. And um, then eventually I started going to therapy. I found a really great therapist. Literally, I walked out my front door of my apartment and she was right across the street. So it was super easy to get to. Um, I was going to her twice a week for a while. And then she was like, oh, you're doing really well. Let's go to once a week and then every other week and then once a month. And then eventually I just stopped going because I felt like I was handling myself pretty well. Um, and then we moved up here. And the whole moving process is obviously stressful for anybody. But after a few months went by of being up here, I started to notice some residual effects coming back on again. And at this point, I wasn't on my medication anymore because I didn't want to take any more pills. I was just so over it. I was taking pills that my doctor was just telling me to, and I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna, just gonna wean myself down without anybody telling me to. So I did that on my own. And I mean, it wasn't great because side effects of taking yourself off medication, cold turkey is not a fun time. Um, and so I'm sure Nick might talk about this a little bit, but I decided to get my medical marijuana card, um, when I lived in Massachusetts because it was legal 
New Hampshire, it is not legal. So I started going to the dispensary and getting medical grade marijuana and I was getting edibles and the actual flower itself. And I found that was a really good coping effect for me because it was, I mean, it's not a pill. It's different. I could take one edible before I went to bed. I would sleep great, have a great next day, done. And then I moved to New Hampshire and it's not legal. So now I'm at a point in my life where I'm literally not on anything. I'm on no medication. I am not in therapy and I am struggling hard. Like, so side note, if anybody has a really good therapist out there and they want to give me their name and their contact information, I would love that because I've tried reaching out to so many therapists and nobody is taking clients at this time because of COVID. Oh, yeah. Or, oh, oh wait, gosh. I'm not allowed to say that. Um, no, banana. You, banana. You say banana yes. here. <laughs> because of That's banana. Okay. Because of banana. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So thanks, yeah. banana. You're really oh, helping me out yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. So no meds, you don't really have access to the medical marijuana in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are you like? What strategies are you implementing, if any? Um, To be quite honest, nothing. Okay. I am at a total loss. I've had probably a a spiraling downfall in the last year, and like it's everyone says it's funny because you guys are with me every day, eight hours a day seven days a week, six, five days a week. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like seven though sometimes. Five days I a week. It. And I hide it very well. You do. I really do hide it very well. Um, but little do you know, I, most of the time I go home and I just cry on the couch by myself because that's just what I do. Cause I don't know how to cope with it right now. And I don't, I'm literally at a fork in the road and I don't know which way to go. I would like to be on my medication but I, I i just don't feel like i want to be but i don't want to be it's hard to explain and with medical marijuana not being legal in new hampshire it makes it hard because of course you can go to a recreational dispensary even if you don't live in massachusetts but it's not the same like for those of you who don't ever dabble with marijuana it's just it's hard to explain but it's not the same so right now I'm just doing nothing. I'm living my day to day. I'm going home. I'm having moments. And it's really just up to my cat to make me feel better. <laughs> and then whenever my fiance is home, that's better too. It just, he works opposite shift as me. So I'm never with him. So it's hard being alone, you know? So now I'm have just, you tried CBD? Um, no, I haven't just because like, I don't know. CBD and THC are two totally different things. They're not the same. Oh, absolutely. And everyone's like, oh, like I, you know, whatever. You have your own experience with it. I have my own. I just haven't tried the CBD because I just kind of feel like it's almost a placebo to THC. It's just not the same. So I honestly don't know much about medical marijuana or CBD. I was just wondering if you had noticed a difference. You like you tried it and it was not clearly not as effective as as the the THC, but. I don't know. Worth, worth I mean, I know they have, they've come a long way with yeah. the CBD nowadays where you can get like the full spectrum stuff where it's got like a certain percentage yeah, of THC. I'm amount. sure yeah. it's probably not as much as you're used to. Um, but is like that people, legal? Is that legal in New Hampshire? Can you do that in New Hampshire? What, CBD? Why not. Yeah, anybody yeah. can. Because yeah. it's, it's, there's no, you're not getting the, the high effect right. of it. Well, right, there you right, go. right, you right, right. Do a little CBD with a little small amount of THC, slide under the radar. <laughs> yeah. No one will flag it, you know? <laughs> 
Like you can give it to your dogs. Oh, like I know people who we give it to their dogs. We don't condone any illegal activities kidding. on the podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, just, just all for just fun. Or you could just, you, know, you could just take do it, it, do it at the border at right. Pro Form, yeah. and then you can go home. Do it at the border. <laughs> well, don't drive. We're not. We're actually have your husband pick you. Yeah, up. we don't condone. I'll drop. Oh you my off. god, I'm I'll literally drop sweating so bad. It's fine. I'll drop you off. Um, you're doing great. Yeah, but okay. so I, I mean, like you, you mentioned, you, you, I might dive into it. I honestly didn't look up too much research on the the medical marijuana just because that's not my uh, my forte. So I didn't even uh, look into it too much. I know there is there is some um, amounting research on CBD with regard to anxiety and depression. Um, but again, it's it's you know symptoms. Um, it's treating the symptoms. So you know, targeting the underlying like, okay, what's causing this? You know, it's all this stress of life right like being being an adult like you said before it was school you know so trying to combat that in a way and i know we had uh you and i and then taylor joined us um last year took you guys through some wim hof breathing can you talk about your experience with that yeah i totally dove into it once you originally told me about it um i was breathing every night before i went to bed and i don't know it was maybe like 10 minutes session so it wasn't long but it was helpful enough where I was sleeping well. Um, but basically, it's just controlling your breath and focusing on your breath and literally blocking out everything else in the world. Calming music, dark room. It was great. And then I just, to be completely honest, fell off the bandwagon. I just stopped doing it. Um, along with a lot of things right now in my life, I just stopped doing it. My diet is complete crap. I'm basically not eating anything at all during the day except drinking a coffee. And maybe dinner when I go home if I'm up to making something, but um, my exercise, I'm starting to get back into it. But like even last week, I worked out Monday, Tuesday, and then I was like, all right, I'm, I'm done for the rest you were, of the You week. were pretty sore. Though. I was very sore. But I just, it's to the point where I'm like, nothing is important enough where I want to do anything about it. So I just go to day to day and I don't know, that's it. Like, I just don't, it's like. I don't care. <laughs> it's hard. I don't care. Like, I want to care because my wedding is coming up in nine months. So, like, I want to look good. And I look at myself in the mirror and I'm just like, yeah, that's that's me. That's just who I'm going to be always. So, who cares? So, you were, I mean, you were on a pretty serious track for, God, man, the last almost year, right? What was the, was there something that changed last year that made you kind of like, get into that type of mood or was it just it just happened um it's hard to explain it just happened yeah. but banana yeah you know yeah it's i wasn't you know obviously a lot of people weren't working so my hours were cut which is understandable so i was spending a lot of time at home and pure laziness just completely set over me i'm just lazy that's all it is and I get advice from Tay, you know, I get advice from my mom, I get advice from all these people. And they're like, you just need to write things down and like schedule and get yourself on a track. That way you can just like, be like, all right, I have to do this today. So I'm going to go out and do it. I'm going to check it off my list. You have to meal prep. Once you meal prep, the whole week is going to be so easy. But getting to that point of actually having to do that stuff, I just like throw in the towel and I throw myself on the couch. Easier said than done. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. So let me, let's backtrack a little bit. Let me just clarify for people listening about Wim Hof. So Wim Hof breathing is a technique. Carissa kind of touched upon it, but basically it's, uh, you go through cycles of, um, basically forced hyperventilation. 
So you do 30 breaths that are, you know, forcefully, um, forced deeply in and then just letting it go. And you do that for 30 breaths. And then at the end of your 30th, you do, you let all your air out, you do a breath hold. Okay. So the hyperventilation part is supposed to stimulate your sympathetic nervous system. So that's your fight, fight or freeze system. And then the breath hold is the calming, the parasympathetic, the rest and digest system. So you're regaining some, some, you know, balance and control over systems that are typically just automatic. So the reason, you know, we had gone over this and I had showed Carissa as, as well as Taylor is because it allows you to tap into those those systems that typically in our modern day world, this fight or flight system tends to be over, over, you know, riding the parasympathetic or the rest and digest. So a lot of people are stuck in this sympathetically overdriven state that which could be precipitating that, you know, that that anxiety depressive type state. And the Wim Hof is is that technique that you can use day in day out that allows you to regain some semblance of balance it's not going to be the end all be all but it can be something that helps people get a little bit more control over that system so they're not just stuck in this sympathetically driven state where it's even something as simple as traffic you know throws them into you know a state of anxiety or like chris was saying all these little things that should be normal should be able to be done aren't getting done because of you know, things that are happening in the outside world, all these noises, lights, things like that are just driving that sympathetic system. So it is a technique that that can be beneficial, not just for someone with anxiety, depression, but anyone who's trying to just, you know, if they're feeling jittery at all, like if you, you have any symptom like that, where it's, it's excitatory, um, Wim Hof breathing could be very, very helpful for individuals in that state. So that's just a little refresher on, on Wim Hof. Um, but has a ton of um, potential implications for someone with anxiety, depression, and and you know, Carissa said banana got in the way, and there's plenty of research to show us that anxiety and depression has skyrocketed since the onset of banana, um, and that is something that is uncontrollable, right? And that comes down to things that there's things you can control and things you can't. One of the best things you can do is is just try to, your best to just move away, step away from the stuff you can't control, right? Like. If, if there's something out there, like right now, your fiance's work schedule, unfortunately, you can't control it. So it is what it is. You got to try your best to balance it. But it's it's one of those things that you got to work within the confines of it because we're not controlling that at the moment, right? We can control other things. Let's try to work on those, control those um, to the best of your ability. Yeah. Going back to when you were saying, you know, stuff auditory visual stuff that can stimulate anxiety there's been <laughs> there's been so okay for those of you who don't know me everyone here knows i my fiance and i like to go hunting so we hunt in the winter sorry in the fall and in the spring turkeys deer whatever um last i don't know if it was this past may or the may before that we were turkey hunting and there's a strategy called sneaking up on the animal so what that comes down to is you're basically walking in the woods with your gun and you're basically sneaking up on this animal to harvest them. And this past May, Ryan and I, my fiance, we were, he, I literally had the gun in my hand. He was like, all right, we're going to sneak up on him and you're going to go up over this hill and they're right up and over the hill. And so I'm like walking really slow. I'm trying to be super quiet. And 
I didn't know where the birds were. So I, I think it was the fact that I didn't know where they were along with me already hyperventilating because I wanted to get a bird and I was nervous that I was going to scare them away and the silence in the woods and just like the heaviness of the gun. And I just, I, I stopped. I stopped where I was walking and I started crying and I couldn't breathe. I was full-blown hyperventilating on the ground, like gripping at the leaves, trying to control myself. And he's like, what is wrong? I was like, I don't know. It was just completely, it just, it was like a wave came over me and I stopped and I just, it was literally in the middle of the woods in Vermont, just hyperventilating, full-blown anxiety attack. And everyone's like, oh, like, you know, everyone has their own version of an anxiety attack. But for me, it's hyperventilation, sweating profusely, but also feeling cold at the same time. Um, like almost like I can't talk, you know, I can't form a thought. I can't form words. Um, and nausea, like I, it was, it's just awful. Like what the actual experience of a panic attack is. And sometimes when I have it, like it doesn't, it's not in the right context. Like sometimes I'll have them right before bed. Like I'll be laying in bed watching TV and here comes one. But like it's either you have to let it happen or you're going to fight it. And fighting it is almost sometimes worse than just letting it happen. So, yeah, that was just going back to now. Auditory was stuff. that the only time you experienced that hunting or have you um, that other hunting? Yes, that was the only time I've experienced that, which was very strange because would you say that otherwise hunting you it's like you're removing yourself from the. Yes. Anxious. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. you're, you know, deer season, especially you're going out in the middle of the woods. There's most of the times there's snow on the ground. The quietness that is out there is so like soothing. Sometimes it's so quiet that it is a noise. Silence is a noise. And you're just sitting there, even though you're freezing. And it's just, it's so calming just to sit there and just like wait. And just, you could literally be there for six hours and not see an animal, but it's just, it's great. But this day just happened to be different, completely different. And I would say that silence nowadays is a form of discomfort for most, you know, like we can't, we can't tolerate boredom and silence. Like that's just something that everyone's like, they reach for their phone as soon as they're bored for a second. Right. And silence is powerful in that way. And that it is a form of discomfort. And in life, our modern world is set up for comfort. We, we, we gone are the days where life just put us through discomfort for us to grow, get stronger, that kind of stuff. So we have to make the time to be uncomfortable. Um, that's one of our favorite sayings here. You got to get comfortable being uncomfortable, but silence is a way to give yourself some discomfort because we're all, we're all just so not used to it anymore. So I think hunting is a great, I mean, aside from that one time that just, it just seemed to be the perfect wave of events that, that triggered it. But hunting is probably a good strategy for, for you personally to help combat some of those symptoms. It allows you to spend time in nature, sunlight. We could talk about sunlight. We've done that on previous podcasts. We could talk about that for hours, but uh, it, it allows you to be a little bit parasympathetic in the moment. Obviously, when you are trying to you know, make, make the kill, um, you, you would need to be sympathetic, um, but you can be parasympathetic at other times during that. Cool. Should we dive into vitamin D a little bit just because we're here? We might as well. Okay. You're going to okay. do it anyways, <laughs> yeah. even if we say no. Now, I'm so. going to ask you, Chris, I'm going to start this conversation with, with a question. Yes. Do you feel like you get outside in the sun a lot? 
Absolutely not. Okay. No. Okay. Do you feel like you get out a good amount in the summer? Obviously, right now uh, it's the yeah. winter. So the summer for sure. Like in on the weekends when both of us are not working, we'll go kayaking. Nice. I mean, we're not much of you know hikers or anything, but we'll get outside. We'll kayak. He loves fishing, so we'll spend all day fishing outside. And summer is, like you said, is much easier than the winter time. Do you feel less symptomatic when you are spending time outdoors? In the summer, for that matter, because you're outside more in the summer. Honestly, like if I were to sit here and think about it, if I I had time to think about all the times that I've been outside versus not being outside, I would say, yeah, I feel better being outside and in the sun than I do. Like today, it's sunny outside, but it's also 20 degrees and there is no way I'm going outside today (laughs) because it's so cold. And that's fair. So it's easier in the summer because it's nice out. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, that, that is a common finding, um, from the, the, the research I found where even something like supplementation with vitamin D was showed positive effects on mood and reduction anxiety, but people who tend to spend more time in the sun have less, um, anxiety, depression, and there's actually more anxiety, depression, typically, you know, relative to the amount of people, you know, in the area at higher latitudes, right? Latitude. Yeah. Um, so farther away from the equator. So they spend less time in the sun throughout the year because right now we have winter. If you go outside, yeah, it might be sunny, but the sun's not out for a long time and you can't synthesize the vitamin D from it. So we're not getting the same UV rays. Um, there's also some other rays that aren't reaching us because the sun's too far away, but that is super, super important when we talk about anytime, you know, someone's dealing with anxiety, depression, that we want to make sure, you know, vitamin D levels are adequate but also they're just getting time out in, in nature and sun. It sounds like you are in the summer. It's just the winter right now. It's tough. Um, so, I mean, that's something that is, is, is tough to combat. And we're not, again, we're not giving medical um, advice here, but do you, do you supplement with vitamin D? Just out of um, so I take a multivitamin. I, okay. don't, I don't really know how Probably much vitamin D vitamin is in D, there, yeah. but yeah. it's just like your generic multivitamin. So I take whatever the recommended dose is every night before bed and call it a day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's worthwhile to look into. I mean, vitamin D supp- supplementation, it's, yes, it's not as good as the sunlight because it's, it's your body doesn't, it's not the, the vitamin D is, is synthetic. It's fake right in the supplementation. So it, your body can't turn it all into usable vitamin D. We talked about that on a previous podcast. So the sunlight is the best source, but if you live in the Northeast, like we do, again, you can't get it. You can get it in small amounts from some foods, most notably organ meat, eggs, other, you know, other foods like that. So, uh, it's the foods that, well, I mean, people, a lot of people eat eggs, but organ meats, people don't tend to eat, but that is good indication to eat some organ meats in your life, especially in the winter. But nonetheless, supplementation is a strategy that can, can work. It's, it's shown effectiveness. Um, you know, so that is that is something that is worthwhile to consider. But this this whole kind of vitamin D uh, deficiency in the winter for people in northern latitudes, that's pretty much the basis for seasonal depression disorder. You know, it's like you're dealing with this all year round. But there are people who only, you know, and we all know someone if you live in, in New England, right, that that their mood is clearly different in the winter. Right. And that is um, would be considered seasonal depression disorder. And, and a lot of it goes back to vitamin D. Right. If we're not getting that adequate vitamin D from the sun and a lot of people can't, they don't necessarily, you can't feel that. You can't voice that. You just, it's just there. It's just like, oh, I don't feel right. I can't wait till the summer. 
that kind of stuff. So, uh, do you have any winter activities? I know you said you hunt in the fall and the spring. Yeah. I mean, deer hunting, well, where we deer hunt, it goes into the winter, but only through December. So it's January now. Um, I really, I, I don't do anything in the winter. I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I don't do anything. I come to work. I work out in the middle of the day. I go home. I watch TV. That's literally my day-to-day thing. And even on weekends, so I have a Peloton at home. On weekends, it stares me in the face and I don't do anything because I'm lazy and I just don't feel like I have the drive, the motivation to want to do anything. So I don't. And it's bad. Right, <laughs> to bring, be bring your winter honest. jacket to work. We're walking every day now. Oh, God. Okay. doesn't matter the temperature. I already went on a walk today. Of course you degrees. did. It was really cold. Um, <laughs> Sorry, K-Dog. I, I have no winter hobbies either. We're going to do so, it. I, I just work out and come to work as I well. I mean, winter, winter hobbies. Could I walk more outside? Absolutely. Yeah. But it's freezing out there. <laughs> one, of, one of the reasons I ski now, I, I do and I thoroughly enjoy skiing, but I grew up playing basketball. So basketball is a winter sport. I was always doing something in the winter. When I was done playing organized basketball, yeah, there's men's leagues and things like that. But that's, I mean, those those things are so rushed. You go, it's like the games are 45 minutes long. So you can still get that dose, but um, those men's leagues run all year round too. So when I was done playing organized basketball after college, I was like, I feel like I need something. And I had skied infrequently as a child, but, you know, I started going skiing more as an adult. And I was like, wow, this is, this kind of gets me through the winter, I feel like. Um, so that, that's, I mean, not saying you have to pick up skiing right now, but I mean, I've, I've skied before in the past, like, like you said, when well, I was go. younger, I, I mean, yeah, that's, I, that's great. I just not very good at it anymore. That's okay. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> I might just have to stick to we'll the bunny t- slopes. Profam, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, ski trip. Let's do it. I let's get chatting. Oh my God. Let's get five five years. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing it. This is, All right, we're doing yeah, it. this is our retreat. Well, we're going to have a podcast in the future post skiing. And everyone's going to give their experiences. And then everyone's also going to give their, um, you know, their, their reports on what they observed in the other people. Okay. So everyone's going to talk about each Injury other. reports. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Injury reports. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Oh. Um, so. Says the guy that can ski. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We're not going to go do anything that I can't do, though. Because that's not fun. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm just kidding. I would like to try. Actually, that's a good thing to bring up because I would like to incorporate this here. Um, there's a concept. I think it's from um, Japanese culture. It's called misogi. Okay. And the concept is that you do something um, every so often. So we could do it quarterly. We could do it four times a year. And you do something that it's some sort of a challenge. And there's two rules. One is that you have, it, it's a 50-50 that you complete it. So 50% chance of, of succeeding, 50% chance of failing. Okay, so it's going to be challenging. It doesn't necessarily have to be grueling, but it has to be hard. Something you've never done, things like that. And number two, you can't die. Okay, so those are the I mean, two that's, rules. That's aggressive. Those are the two rules. So it can't be something <laughs> involving no like, like weapons and things like that. Can't die, can't be like rule 10, it's got to be number two. That's number so, two. Yeah, that's number two. <laughs> There's only two rules. Well, but you can't get to three. <laughs> Because that's true. That's true. If you if you don't listen to rule two, there's going to be no more rules, of course. But I was thinking for the first one, it, oh, I don't want to say simple, but one that would be uh, conducive to things we've already done would be like the barbarian, like an actual, okay, you know, males take the 70 pound kettlebells with the, uh, you know, the, the, the weight vest and we just, we try to walk a mile and there's a good chance that 
somebody's going to die. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. That's rule number two. You can't do that. You can't die. It's either pass or fail. Yeah. That's it. No. Yeah. It's just, you, we just might not make it. You just okay. not make it. Okay. You might get stuck in half a mile, dude. I don't know. <laughs> well, that would definitely be we'll me. We'll pick for you sure. up though. Well, someone will have a car so, so we can pick them up. But uh, yeah, I think we should incorporate that. I okay. think that would be I like good. It. I like, I think that would be good for all, you know, us to not only bond, but to create these, like we were talking about with the silence create these situations of discomfort now we all work out here so we all get uncomfortable to some extent but it's easy to i've noticed it the past couple of weeks with me that i've just been like ah you know what i was feeling really good with the you know the 75s so i'm just gonna stay there right and i didn't push myself for a few weeks and you don't have to push yourself every week but you got to push yourself every once in a while right so you kind of get complacent with the, the weights you're doing and you're like oh no i've been feeling good so i'm gonna stick with these weights and then next thing you know, you're going to plateau at some point. You might feel good for these four, six, eight weeks. And then at some point, those weights aren't going to cut it anymore. Yeah. Right. So I like it. We all, we all, you know, do put ourselves through this, some level of discomfort, but it's easy to get caught up in the, oh no, I've been comfortable with this level of discomfort. Right. So we got to up the ante a little bit. So soon to come, we're going to be incorporating Misogi. I think that's how you say it. I don't know. I could be wrong. I just finished Cobra Kai. So I didn't see it on there. Okay. They didn't so you do guys Masogi. are basically masters They didn't do Masogi. <laughs> nope. They didn't You're do Masogi. Pros. Nope. Um, oh, Miyagi-Do. I hope I'm not saying it wrong. Uh, but yeah, so we're going to incorporate Masogi. All right. On to the next thing. So next question I have for you to talk a little bit about research as it relates to anxiety and depression is, have you been on antibiotics a lot? Um, I mean, define a lot. Um, let's say more than twice. I don't really in know. In a year? No, just in your lifetime. Oh, yeah. Okay. A ballpark. How many times? Gosh, um, in my lifetime, yeah, I don't know, upwards maybe twenty, thirty times. Okay. How about in the recent? Yeah, one was under. How many years ago was undergrad? Um, I graduated twenty sixteen. All right. So in the last five years, mm, ten years. times. If yeah, ten. what year are we in? <laughs> I don't even know. Ten uh, times. Ten times. Yeah. Okay. Um, so did you have a lot of? like infections as a child that kind of thing um yes i did um and like more recently i've had a few surgeries in the last yeah. like five years so you have to take antibiotics post-surgery um well i mean well that's what they tell you to, okay to do. yes sorry <laughs> yeah. dr <Yeah>. nick <laughs> i mean it, it's it's the way our, our medical system works is they just say oh this will make it easier on us if we just give you this now so we don't have to worry about infection later Right. But what are the chances that you will get an infection? I mean, if you if they actually if you actually ask them the data on that particular surgery, chances are it's it's probably very low, but they're just taking protective measures, which, OK, that's fair. But if we understand what the side effects of antibiotics are, wiping out the gut bacteria, all that kind of stuff, which wreaks havoc on everything. Right. Then we can consider, OK, maybe it's it's, you know, not ideal to give this as a preventative measure. This is a this is my safety net. This is my. I go to this. And yes, there's some indication that antibiotics would need to be given early on if you have an infection. Depends on the bacteria, that kind of stuff. But, you know, if we're using it as pre preventative, like we can do better in terms of preventative medicine, right? Like we can say, okay, there's a higher risk of infection after the surgery than there is normally without the surgery. So let's do some things that would, you know, stimulate your immunity without having to give you antibiotics, which will just wipe everything else out, you know? So it is, it's common practice for surgeons to do that, but is it ideal? I'd argue that it's Well, not. so now I agree with that because back in 2017, I had my gallbladder out because mm -hmm. um, I had gallstones size of, size of golf balls. And so I had to get my gallbladder taken out because it made me feel better. And I was on antibiotic afterwards 
because I was told to take it. And I ended up in the hospital a week after surgery and was in the hospital for a week because of an infection in my stomach. I had um, infected fluid in my abdomen, which that bacteria must not have been covered by my antibiotic or something. I don't know. They said that I got it from um, the water when I was showering. And it in was, your gut? so I had an incision in my belly button because oh, oh, they go through your yes. stomach. Okay. And so, just the water. Seems, pretty well. yeah, no, I'm not going like, to just just drink the bath, water. but even no. still. <laughs> so I'm in the, the shower. I have four incisions on my stomach and the one on my belly button got super infected. Like it was, you couldn't even like lightly touch it without me being in yeah. excruciating pain. And they said it was a plant bacteria, which I don't know how that's related to the water, but the type of bacteria that they found, they said if I hadn't come in within 24 hours of my symptoms, um, like presenting themselves, that I would have gone septic. So like, I don't, I don't know what it was. They just said it was this big fancy plant bacteria and must not have been covered by whatever medicine I was on. Who knows? And uh, the reality of it is, is that bacteria and viruses that just like humans and animals respond to their environment right and if we keep throwing antibiotics at everything even preventative things not just the acute actual infections these bacteria are only going to get stronger and these viruses are only going to get stronger we're kind of dealing with that right now with banana and you know we have to understand that we have to find a balance it's not that we should just throw antibiotics away because of that no we should still have them but we shouldn't necessarily use them as freely as we do in my opinion, I would say in our opinion, I think Chad agrees I agree. with me on that one. I agree. Um, but your gut and your brain, the gut-brain connection is super, super strong, right? So these gut, uh, these bacteria in our gut, um, they, they directly influence our mood. And there is, in, you know, a ton of research on this coming out with anti- courses of antibiotics and, you know, anxiety, depressive uh, symptoms, as well as um, other you know, other diseases beyond that, that would be related to that, you know, mood disorders, things like that. So, um, the, I think it, it was, uh, a study in 2018 that even showed that, um, yeah, it was glyphosate, which is the pesticide used acted similarly to antibiotics. So killed your gut bacteria. So all these things that were spraying our vegetables, fruit with killed, you know, all the bacteria or a lot of the bacteria in your gut. So same thing, all these things were, you know, ingesting and, you know, that could sound scary. You could say, well, I just shouldn't eat anything then because everything's sprayed with all this crap. But, you know, it makes you think about all the possible causes of, you know, the the symptoms we're dealing with in the moment and all that kind of stuff. And what does that mean? I mean, again, control what you can control, forget about what you can't. Some of that stuff we can control. You can clean your fruits and vegetables as best you can. Um, If you are prescribed antibiotics well if you have a current infection you should probably take it and then you should probably do things post to boost your you know your your bacteria back up but if you're you know go through a surgery and doctor prescribes antibiotics you should ask the question why why do i need to take the antibiotics and number one if they don't have a good answer for you i mean you can just hold on to the antibiotics and not take them right away right or you could you know, get a second opinion from another doctor, that kind of thing, because that is commonplace for them to prescribe it and not saying you shouldn't take it. There might be a significant indication. So ask your doctor and, and if they, like I said, if they have a good answer for you, okay. In the meantime, do the things to boost your immune system. And then if they don't have a good answer for you, well, you should probably be asking another doctor because that's, that's not good enough. Yeah. And I think even going back to the food, it's, 
you know, you can control where you get your food from, which means you can control what your food is eating, kind of like yep. we talked about last time and, For sure. and how they're treating the food, right? So um, I know big into talking about like gut bacteria, uh, everybody's going to say, well, you need to get more fiber in your diet, right? Where are people getting the fiber from? Produce. Where are they getting their produce from? Pesticide farms. Yeah. You know what yep. I mean? So yep. it's it's understanding that maybe that's not, the worst thing you can eat, but you can certainly control how much better it can be by knowing where it comes from. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it is really cool when you start to learn about, um, you know, how significant and important these, these gut bacteria are in your body. And it's not just, you know, one particular kind, it's diversity of them. You know, they influence not only your digestion, um, but they influence your immune system. Like Chris was talking about before she had antibiotics, but she still got an infection, right? Because, some of the bacteria in your, some of the good bacteria in your, you know, digestive system actually fight the bad bacteria, right? So if we wipe out the good stuff, we lose some of the defense against the bad stuff. So they help with the immune system, your metabolism, your mitochondrial function, you know, your mood and behavior, like we talked about already. So they're super, super important. So trying to, you know, keep those, and that doesn't just, that doesn't mean, oh, just go take a probiotic could be good. You know, you want to be eating, um, a high quality diet with minimally processed foods. You know, you want to be getting adequate protein because protein is super, super important for your gut bacteria. So yeah, if you're, I will say I'm not very yeah, good at If you're limited in your protein, protein intake, <laughs> which is that can be a problem. That's right? most people. One of the, one of the, you know, best things out there actually for your gut bacteria is something like bone broth. It's got a ton of bioavailable collagen that the, the bacteria can, can consume right away. And a lot of this has to do with the fact that we've been eating you know, the whole animal for over two and a half million years. We talked about this on the last podcast too. So uh, we have evolved with certain bacteria that prefer to eat the byproducts of the animal, right? So that's why bone broth has been shown to be super, super effective when it comes to something like leaky gut, because these bacteria love the bone broth. Go figure, right? But then we have the, you know, the mainstream narrative kind of pushing vegetables, fruit, which there's a place for them. But if we're eating the bulk of our diet from those, these bacteria don't seem to like that stuff. That's why we get gassy. That's why we get some of these, you know, bloating symptoms because these bacteria are kind of telling you, hey, that's not what we want to eat. We want, we want the bone broth. We want the liver. We want the kidney. We yeah. want the heart, right? Yeah. 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 Eat your organs, people. Um, so and collagen is super easy to take. I mean, they have peptide powders nowadays yeah. where you can literally put it yep. in your coffee and it doesn't change anything. You yep. wouldn't even know you were drinking can, it, yep. you know, yep. just a very simple additive. And you don't you have to more... make your own bone broth. No. Like it, you know, you don't have to go get animal bones, simmer them for, you know, 24 hours. You can, there's, there's plenty of good brands out there that, that, um, make a good, a high quality bone broth from grass fed cows and, and, uh, or, um, pasteurized chickens. And you can, you know, just, just get that bone broth so you don't have to go through the work of, of making it. Although making it is probably, I mean, I can't, I don't, I don't make my own, but it's probably, it's, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I would love to, but Alicia's, it's time. Alicia's not, it's uh, time. yeah, she's, she's, she's not too keen on just going to the butcher and getting a bunch of bones and bringing them <laughs> home. So, <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm trying to stay married too. So I have to find a balance between my, my craziness or what would be considered craziness nowadays. Is it crazy though? That's the question I got to ask y'all. Is it crazy? I don't know. So that's for, that's for everyone else to decide, I guess, but I don't think it's that crazy, but I got to find a balance. <laughs> well, you're uh, not the crazy one, apparently. I know. That's why. Y'all crazy. Y'all crazy. Actually, you're, you're not the crazy. Um, you've been, you've been I'm not as liver. crazy as you, you've but I'm, I'm probably crazy for, um, 
what most people would consider yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's what, you know, the mainstream would consider crazy. And we could, again, everyone we, else, we could go into what you're saying. Yeah. Well, well, like, the, <laughs> yeah. Everyone else. Yeah. Everyone who's not doing it was considered crazy. That's like well, the mainstream else. media and, and, uh, I know, I you know, know, what, what, like the diet culture, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, oh, totally. A thousand percent. And like I said, there's a place for all that stuff and we can, yeah. we could dive way into all that, but you know, there, we've been, we've been consuming the whole, you know, head, nose to tail for over a million years. So we should, we probably shouldn't throw that out the door. Just in the, we've only thrown it out the door in the last really century. So we probably, we probably shouldn't. All right. Yep. Okay, dog. We got, um, one more thing to kind of touch upon that I, I want to dive into a little bit here. Um, do you filter your water? Yes, I do. Okay, what do you use? I use a Brita. All right, so you don't drink any tap water? No. All right, that's good because this is this is a deep dive I've been down for pretty much the last year. Um, tap water is loaded with a ton of toxins. And these toxins are anything from, you know, known carcinogens, uranium, aluminum, lead, arsenic, pesticides. There's even like pharmaceuticals in there you know, like broken down pharmaceuticals, glyphosate, which we talked about previously as it relates to mood. So all these things are in your water. You have no idea the amounts. They're just in there. You can't taste them, which isn't very good. Although some people can. We do have a patient who told us our, <laughs> our water had a, had a me- metallic taste. So we changed the filter and it's gone. But yeah, it's, well, it's, it's gone some days. Yeah, sometimes sometimes yeah. he says it's there. Sometimes yeah. he says it's yeah. not. Nonetheless, um, we listened. Um, yes. Another toxin that's super interesting when you look at the actual research on it is fluoride. Now we're told fluoride is really, really, you know, it's fine. It's good. You can drink it. You can consume it, whatever. Um, it's used at the dentist, right? Uh, but fluoride is known to actually change, cause gene expression to take place. And then the, they express genes that are related to anxiety and depression, which is very, very interesting, right? So it turns on the genes that are related to uh, anxiety and depression. So that's something that's really, really important to consider. But fluoride is also related to hormone disruption. So like thyroid issues, um, even like sex hormone disruption. So low testosterone in males, things like that. So uh, fluoride, it can be very problematic, especially at the quantities in which we are consuming it as a population today. So if you can filter your water, you're probably better off doing that. Um, There's definitely better options out there than Brita. I use Brita myself, so I can't say too much, but Brita, you know, Brita filters out a lot of like the, the heavy metal type stuff, but there's still other stuff that's getting in there as to how much the fluoride's getting through. I have no idea. I don't know the actual, the latest up-to-date research on Brita, but there's definitely better options. Um, if, if that's in the cards for you, but at least filter the water to some extent, because fluoride and the amounts we're consuming it, not very good. So it can change your, your, it can change, turn on those genes that, that are related to anxiety and depression. So that's not ideal. And then there's also microplastics and, um, like nanoplastics in the water. So that's not ideal. Carissa knows my qualms with plastics and that also goes for um, other plastic things, so Tupperware, plastic Tupperware. Chad. I've been better. I've yeah. been better. I know he's Make had his glass. I've got glass. my glass but now. Don't consume food out of plastic. I would a thousand Tupperware, percent agree with you. Especially, do not put it in the microwave. It's bad. Even if the the Tupperware says it's okay to go in the microwave, 
just not ideal. So all those old takeout containers from like Chinese food, all that good stuff, throw them in the trash. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, if you do it a little bit, you're probably okay, right? But if you're doing it all the time, it's probably not ideal because the the microplastics do similar things to like fluoride. They, They disrupt your hormones. So when your hormones are disrupted, we can get symptoms of anxiety because we don't know why, right? Like their stuff's off balance and we're, we're just, we, we feel anxious. We feel, you know, different. Our mood is different because our hormones aren't, aren't right. You know, and those plastics can create that. And one plastic, one, one of those plastics out there that I recently made the change was, and Kristen knows this is polyester. Polyester has been shown to be terrible for, like I said, hormones. Um, and I used to wear so much polyester, like hundred percent polyester. I was wearing even underwear with polyester in it. Have since stopped that because polyester has been shown to be very, very bad too. And I'm not saying I'm not sitting here saying that polyester is calling your causing your anxiety, right? But it's a factor, and what is it? A controllable factor, right? So, can we? Is it simple enough to remove the polyester clothing? Yeah. Are we going to get rid of all the polyester? No. But you know, are we going to go back to more natural cotton and things like that? Yeah. That's that's easy enough to change versus some of the uncontrollable stuff that we talked about before. So some of these things that we're talking about right now are the stuff that's controllable. Filter your water. You know, don't cook your food in plastic. Try not to consume things out of plastic. Same thing with like plastic water bottles. Whenever you can use, you know, if you have a reusable water bottle, if you can use a stainless steel one, right, that's going to be better. Or a ceramic one that's going to be better than plastic, right? So these things are controllable things that could be playing a role in your mood symptoms. Shameless plug. Trade in your blender bottles for ice shaker bottles. Yes. They are the yeah. bomb. They're the yeah. bomb. Absolutely. We got plenty here at Proform. We if you want to stop by yeah. and grab we one. Stocked <laughs> up. Yeah. So I had to plug all that stuff in on on um you know, on plastics and your your water filtration process. But I think that's that's all I got in terms of research. There's 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 obviously some other stuff I can dive into, but I'm not gonna do it. Yeah. So Carissa, we're going to, we're going to finish this off. If there is like one piece of advice that you could give our listeners that might be experiencing anxiety, um, what would you tell them or what direction would you push them in? Yeah. I mean, going back to when I was in therapy, my old therapist, I loved her. She was super helpful and she like gave me homework and stuff. And one of the things she told me to do when you feel a panic attack coming on or feel those symptoms, the nausea, the sweating, the heavy breathing, the heart palpitations, it's, um, she said to look around you and find five things that you can see, four things that you can touch, three things that you can hear, two things that you can smell, and one thing that you can taste. So it's really kind of just like, getting your brain off of what's going on around you and trying to focus on other things. You do it in that order? Yeah, that order exactly. So you start at five, go down to one. And so you're looking around, five things you can see. Oh, like I see that red bird over there. And then, you know, oh, I see someone walking their dog, going down to touch, then hear, then smell, and then taste. And it's kind of consuming your brain in that moment. So you're taking the focus off of the panic attack and putting it on something physical in front of you. Um, and that helped me a lot. I really need to get back into doing that strategy again because I've had panic attacks recently that I just kind of like let happen and it happened and whatever. But like sometimes I'm able to physically stop myself from panicking by doing this stuff. And 
if you never tried it before give it a try because it's actually really cool like how quickly it can bring you down from nice. being really really high to okay i'm fine i can catch my breath let's move on so and instagram does not count for five things you can see no it doesn't <laughs> no instagram does not count no it all the technology all... put it away yeah like don't rely on your phone five for things in it, nature it yeah. needs to be directly in front of you in in the physical world yes so yeah that's about great. it. That's awesome. That's great. So for all of you that are interested in maybe asking Chris any questions, you're more than welcome to reach out to Proform or Carissa, what's your, um, if you don't mind, what's your personal Instagram if people have questions, they want to contact you directly? Yeah. So it's Carissa Shaw underscore. So it's, I actually have, it's two W's. So K-A-R-Y-S-S-A-S-H-A-W-W underscore. Yeah, and I'll make sure to put that in the show notes so everybody can just kind of click it too and make it easier. But um, no, we appreciate you having on the podcast. I know this was hard, and uh, it was even more hard because Nick didn't send Carissa any no, of the notes no previously, notes. which um, I'm sure amped up your anxiety quite a bit. So. I wanted to make it authentic. <laughs> well, you did that. <laughs> you did that. <laughs> so no, that no. was my bad. I totally forgot. Like I, I, Chad mentioned this at the beginning when he said. You know, I'm, uh, I haven't really, he hasn't dealt with anxiety himself. I'm super even keel. I really haven't dealt with it. Like, yeah, I have stress. We all do, but I haven't either. So this was really, really enlightening for, for both of us to ask questions and, and kind of get your perspective on it. Cause it, it's kind of foreign to us. Totally. Yeah. A thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, preparation goes a long way with me and getting that, I, I know that, that, that text at nine 30 this morning saying, Hey, we're doing a podcast. <laughs> Wow, did I? Okay, yep. On my drive yeah, here, was, I was just gripping the wheel. It was supposed to be last week, <laughs> and it got pushed out, scheduling conflicts and such. Uh, so let's just say I wasn't prepared, but I think I did better it, than I was did, expecting. You to did do. awesome. I told you you would do amazing. Yeah, I'm not worried about you. So next episode, it would be number thirty. So that's another five, which means yes. stories, story time again. Um, so we'll stay tuned for that. It's going to be your normal stories. We're going to pick a couple of. Um, examples of some stories that we've had over the, the recent months. And um, again, hopefully some of those stories drive with you so that you can make better informed decisions, uh, incisions, nice uh, <laughs> decisions regarding, you know, if it's a situation that might be like yours. So um, moral of the story, just from our conversation today, I've observed that most of the people that have anxiety like Carissa, it's probably silent. You know, uh, I, I know that I can honestly say that I had no idea that when I first met Carissa that she had anxiety, I would have not have known that. Um, and I'm sure this holds true for a lot of people that do have anxiety. Um, so although I do not have anxiety and I know Nick, Nick just stated that he doesn't have anxiety as well. Um, I know that I can for sure correlate with some of the stresses that are in my life, especially with, with everything that's going on, as well as, you know, trying to run a business in the middle of it. Uh, Nick made a great point, control the controllables. And if we can control the controllables, then we can certainly have an effect on a lot of things in our life, especially anxiety. You know, I know it's easy to say, uh, but one of the lessons that I've learned over the last year um, was to try and stop worrying about what can go wrong, because that's super common. I do that all the time. Um, but get excited about the things that can go right. You know, stop thinking about all the bad things. Start thinking about the good things. You know, cup is half full, half empty kind of thing. Um, in the words of Martin Luther King Jr., you don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. 
Thank you for joining us in the rack this week. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. You can also find us online at ProformPTMA.com or on social media at ProformPTMA. And remember, if you train inside the rack, you better be thinking outside the rack.